Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilting. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Taddy. Today on the podcast, our theme is Night at the Museum. First up, we discuss those dream quilting destinations that are on our bucket lists. And then our guest for our open studio segment is Carolyn Ducey from the International Quilt Museum in Lincoln, Nebraska. You'll want to stick around to the end for our fine finishes segment where we're talking about quilt storage to roll or to fold. Stick around and join the conversation. Hello, ladies. Hello. How are you both doing this week? We're here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a big week around here. It is. Oh, yeah. So much excitement. There's lots of excitement. Should we let people know? Yeah. Tell them them why we're so excited. Um, Our office is moving. So we're surrounded by boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of interesting things are coming out of the woodwork and old cabinets that no one remembered were in places. So um, we are excited to be moving, um, but there's a lot to do. Yes. Yep. I've run out of room with all the free books and the free other stuff. I, I keep coming home. My husband's like, stop already. Oh, my gosh. I have two stacks of books in my office that I just don't even have the guts to bring home yet. <laughs> so, yeah. So we we get a lot of books here for book reviews. And so they sometimes are just piled up. And we've had a whole library. There's an entire room that is full of older books. And then all of these new books are just popping up left and right. So... Along with a lot of goodies, too. They're so. popping yes. up in my library. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get down to our topic, which is all about traveling and going to museums around the world and our dream destinations. So I know I've had many dream destinations that are on my, like, quilty bucket list what about you? I'm going to start with Ginger. So for me, I had the joy of spending a whole entire day with Marianne Fonts. Um, we were at one of the Osqui events and, um, you know, just hearing her talk about uh, where she is in Iowa. It's mm-hmm. in Winterset. It just sounds so amazing. And and to know somebody who's actually started up a museum and done that. So for me to be able to go there and see it and then the fact that I know her and she could give me a personal <laughs> tour would be even better. But I would just love to go and check that out. Like, I, I don't know. It just sounds mm-hmm. so cool. And it just sounds like a really cool town. Oh, and Iowa is beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Lori? I hate to admit this. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally embarrassed. We live in the Denver, Colorado region, and we're, what, five hours from the International Quilt Museum in Lincoln. I have children who live in Nebraska. <laughs> My husband's family is from Nebraska, and I've never been to that museum I really want to go. Oh, see now, I would have see? thought you were born like in the museum with as much knowledge and as much, you know, everything you know. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I think we need to plan a road trip. Yep, I it's like not it. that far. It's not. 
Go ahead and send in your comments. Tell us, you know, start. We'll start a fund. You know, yeah, uh, go yeah, to the yes, yeah. right. everybody. Donate a quarter. Right. Donate a dollar. We'll, 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 we'll raise enough. We'll get there. Well, maybe if we make it a work trip, maybe yes. there you go. I think maybe we can make that happen. Yeah, abuse All the right. man. I like it. Mm-hmm. So I've never been to Paducah. Huh? I have been there, and it's pretty cool. You uh, need to see, go. I feel like I really need to go. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's also other things that I need to do. Like I would love to do one of those cruises. Yes. That's on my list. Yes. Uh, You know, and go someplace where I've never been, like Alaska. Yeah. Like I think that would be great. Well, I know I could never talk my husband into a cruise and then a quilting cruise on top of that. Like no way. (laughs) But to go with friends and to Uh go with – oh my goodness. That just sounds like so much fun. Yeah, I agree. And just have time to sew all day and just in these wonderful places. Maybe I want to go someplace warmer. Yeah. No, maybe oh, I just want to go to Alaska. plenty of quilts to wrap around no, you. I so. want to go to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. I've got like 40 – I think I forgot. I, I lost my count. I think I've done 47 states. I don't have nice. that many left. So I need I need Alaska off the list. So Now, see, one of the states I haven't been to is Hawaii. Oh. And I really think that would be a great oh, quilting. Oh, yes. At the Hawaiian quilts. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, well, I've been to both of those, but I've never been to the Nebraska or Paducah. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and there are other quilt museums that that you know we haven't talked about. Yeah. One in Little Grange, Texas. One mm-hmm. in San Jose, California. Uh-huh. Do you know how many um, times I've been to San Jose and not been to the oh, San Jose Quilt Museum? Yeah. Talk about being completely furious with myself. Yeah. And now, see, there's one I can't even think of the name of it uh, in the New England states. Oh. Amazing. In Lowell. Yes. Oh. In Lowell, Massachusetts. Lowell, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. There's a, yes, indeed. Well, and I lived in Massachusetts and didn't go to that one. That's <laughs> as bad as me not being that's in like, Nebraska. That's seriously, I was like 30 minutes away. Oh, and dear. I honestly don't know why. I, I just don't know that I was, well, I was into quilting. So I don't have that excuse other than I had small children and didn't want to bring the children to the museum. Yep. Yeah. No, yep. that'll do it. Yeah. No. Well, I'm ashamed to say I've never even been to the Rocky Mountain one. That's oh, well, literally like literally three blocks away. I, like Ginger, what are you doing this afternoon? I know We're exactly. Go. <laughs> I'm like, well, and it's so funny. I always think I make plans to go, and then something comes up, right. or I'm like, oh, I got to get home or do that. So I, I just need to do it. I need to do it. And I've met so many people that are involved there now that there's no excuse. <laughs> no, and it's literally a block away. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, and I did have the privilege last year. I got to go for the first time. I got to go to the quilt market in Houston. So that was Yay. huge. Like that was just like I, I didn't even know that was on my bucket list until I got there. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I've had this opportunity. Oh, so. see. And, and now I just always want to go. Yeah. Yes. Because it's awesome. <laughs> yes. It's way cool. Yeah. I agree. Um, we haven't talked either about about international oh, things. Oh, my goodness. I just uh, want to go. I, I want to go to Tokyo. I want to go to London. I want to see oh, the, the yeah. Albert and Victoria Museum. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. And I want to go buy fabric in France. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just fabric shopping in Just France. Just fabric shopping in France. Oh, my goodness. That sounds lovely. Doesn't that sound good? It does. All right. That's going to be a bigger field trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, a little part of me has always thought I would love to, like, do the tours 
and just bring people to interesting places and, you know, and, and be the head of the tour that kind right. of picks the places and find interesting restaurants because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a foodie. So food is important. And then, you know, go to some places where maybe they have manufacturing or they make the fabric or maybe they make boutiques or something like that. And then also, you know, go to the shops and then have bring some fascinating teachers that could teach some classes. Right? Wouldn't that be great? Oh, I could yeah. be a teacher. That's a dream job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can go on the tour. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. We got to start. We got to start. All right. Well, great, ladies. I just can't wait to get talking to Carolyn Ducey from the, the International Quilt Agreed. Museum. I'm so excited. Let's do it. Okay, I'd like to welcome Carolyn Ducey to the show. She is the curator of collections at the International Quilt Museum in Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Absolutely. Yes. So, the, the well, the name of our this episode is Night at the Museum, and it is all about quilting destinations that Lori, Ginger, and I would like to go to. And I think I've been blessed enough to actually visit the International Quilt Museum in Nebraska, but I think that your museum is one of those destinations that a lot of quilters, like it is on their bucket list. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. So I'll agree. (laughs) So, Carolyn, tell us a little bit about what you do at the museum. Well, I think I have the best job ever. Um, I get to work with quilts all day long. Um, My responsibilities um, actually fall kind of into two different areas. So I work with our collection and our collection care team. So we are the ones who do the day-to-day work that we do for the quilts to preserve them, Mm -hmm. to make sure we're handling them appropriately. Then on the other side, I also do acquisitions. So that means I get to travel the world to look at quilts. (laughs) Man. (laughs) I thought we had cool um, jobs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, I have to pinch myself because I, I really have been all over the world and it's because of quilts. And so it's really been an exciting career for me. Um, it's also acquisitions is also the most difficult part though. I always had this great idea when I started, Oh, everybody's going to want to give us quilts. It's going to be so great. And what it turns out is that we get so many quilts offered to us that we have to say no. We probably say no to 90% of what's offered donations. And that is really hard. Send them our way. (laughs) I'm always looking for people who need quilts because that is one of the biggest challenges. And, I'm getting towards retirement age and I keep thinking, what is going to happen? What, what solution can we give to people about where their quilts will end up? Because people make a lot of quilts and there's a lot of quilts out there. So I think we need to find unusual fun places where quilts can be placed rather than just museums or just Mm -hmm. private collections. And Mm. I don't know what that's going to be, but that's a, a consideration that's on my mind a lot these days. And I imagine, you know, knowing that the amount of work that that your museum goes to to protect and preserve the quilts, I can imagine that that's kind of a daunting thought of because my first thought is, well, where could they be displayed that would take care of them so that they don't, 
you know, fall apart or right. get ruined. Right. Yeah, because what's the percentage of time you're caring for and then, you know, uh, going out and displaying? Do, would you say it's about even or? No, not at all, okay. because we try so hard to preserve our collection. It's it's this crazy line that we always have to walk in um, showing the collection, enjoying it, making it something really vibrant and useful and exciting. And then on the other hand, preserving the collection, which means that the quilts cannot be in light. Mm-hmm. They can't be exposed to dirt. They, you know, I, There's so many regulations. So we spend all day, every day down in collections caring for the quilts, which means that we're doing things like refolding regularly. We have, gosh, I think, you know, the collection is growing by leaps and bounds. So I think we're up to about 6,700 quilts. And wow. those all have to be refolded every two years. Now, granted, there's some that are small, doll quilts in there, other things, but mm-hmm. still... That's one of the biggest jobs we do is just constantly refolding because you don't want to leave a quilt folded the same way over lengths of time because that fold will become a crease. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and really all the things that we do here at the museum, all these things we think about are things you want to think about at home for your quilts, whether they're new or old. You even need to think about it for your fabric stash. How are you handling your stash? Because if you like, I used to love to iron my new stash fabrics and press little creases in them. Then you go to use that fabric, you can't get rid of that crease. That's right. Mm -hmm. So true. So it's the same kind of thing that we're thinking about all the time. And it makes it really difficult because we have a very limited time exposure that a quilt can be out on on exhibition. So we have 12 months every 10 years. And even when we put the quilts away, we don't gain anything back. We don't, they they can't re- you know, the, the fading that occurs if a quilt's out is not going to change just because you put it away. That's right. That only makes us dig deeper into the collection instead of using our favorites over and over and over mm-hmm. again until they really show where. Um, we are accredited by the American Alliance for Museums, so we have certain policies we have to follow. And that makes it a real challenge for us. I think it also makes it really fun, though, because you do have to go deep into the collection and you have to think about it in a different way when you're setting up exhibitions. And when you have a constant exhibition schedule, you're always looking for something different or unusual. Um, Right now we have a show up called Whimsy and Whimsy was so much fun to put up because it was just fun quilts or quilts that were made with fun materials or that had a sense of humor. So Mm -hmm. that was, that was a super fun one to work on. So Carolyn, you said you have 6,700 quilts in your care, how many of those are on display at one given time? Uh, about a hundred, oh, and that's a mm-hmm. lot. I mean, we actually hang quilts on every single wall in the museum where you can fit one, including what we call our education collection. So, if you go outside our offices, we have quilts on the walls, mm-hmm. quilts in the hallway, quilts in our um, a reception area on the second floor, um, because. Most of the people that come to visit us say, well, you don't have very many quilts out. We want to see all the collection. Well, <laughs> yeah, if you just right. give us a minute to think about that, they kind of go, oh, yeah, maybe not all of them, but we want to see more. <laughs> so we've really tried to find a way to use all the space we have, and it's still a very small percentage. I'm kind of curious, uh, before you were here, what's your background? Like, do you have a museum curation background or is it more quilting or both? Um, you know, how did you come about that? You know, I, I was just so lucky um, because I always wanted to study quilts. I thought quilts were such a fascinating way to look at really at anything like history, technology, 
the Industrial Revolution. I mean, I can go mm-hmm. on and on. Well, this is art. So I always wanted to study them. So my undergraduate degree is in art history. Mm-hmm. And I went to Indiana University to get a master's degree in American art history. And while I was there, my mom sent me a newspaper article that said, you know, a thousand quilts are coming to the University of Nebraska. I'm a Nebraskan born and raised. And I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with that art history degree when I finished, but I had applied to come to the University of Nebraska to study quilts. And when I saw that article and realized this collection was coming, it was like the most magic moment because just like that, your whole future, you're going to go, wow, you know, I'm going to have endless opportunities. Like people are going to be flocking to our collection in Nebraska. So I just was really at the right place at the right time. And got hired on about, um, actually came as a um, graduate student assistant. So my first semester, I was a grad student. Then I got hired on. And then um, the rest is history, as they say. You're so So. inspiring for all those people with theater and art degrees. It can be useful. (laughs) It can be done. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's fabulous. And then are you a quilter as well? You know, I am. Um, I'm not a huge quilter, but I am a needleworker. And I am... so I, you know, my mom was the one who was always like, what are you going to do with that degree? You have to support yourself. <laughs> and I would say, mom, it's all your fault because you were the one who taught me to sew. You taught me how to do, I mean, my mother did everything. She did macrame, needlework, puff paints, you name it. Any trend that came along, mom did that. And I was her helper. And I'm one of six girls and two boys. And evidently my sisters didn't do all this. I thought everybody did this with my mom, but she and I just had this thing. I love to sew. I was really more of an embroiderer than I ever was a quilter. But so I was doing samplers and the quilting books were right next to the sampler books. And I would look at those quilt books and think, oh, I really, really want to learn how to make a quilt. So I've taken classes. I know some of the basics. I'm not very good at piecing, though, because you have to be kind of precise. And I'm very loosey goosey. Now, I've realized I could make that my own style now, so I don't really yes. have to worry about being so careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've made quilts for my grandkids. I've made quilts for friends, but I've only made one large size quilt. So I'm still working on it. Do you ever just get so overwhelmed at the, you know, what you're looking at on a daily basis and, and you know, I couldn't do that or, you know, or is it truly inspiring? You know, it's a little bit of both because you see something sometimes and you just think how, especially like with an art quilt, how did somebody come up with that concept, that idea? I'm always so amazed. And honestly, probably one of my very favorite things about my job has been doing studio visits where you go meet an artist at their studio and they talk to you about what they're inspired by. And it's just it's just amazing. So in that sense, I can be very intimidated by it. But I also have seen quilts in the collection that I absolutely love. And when you start to really look closely, they don't line up perfectly. They Sometimes that's actually the thing you love most about them is that they have that quirky kind of quality to them. So then I, I'm like, I can do this. I can make it my own. <laughs> right? Yeah, so true. Perfectly. Yeah. You so, know, I have, a, but, I have a question for you. So I, I came out to Nebraska um, because I took a class uh, with Nancy Kirk on antique quilt restoration. And we actually got to come visit – um, the International Museum. And 
We got to go behind the scenes and see how you fold all the quilts and the way that they're protected in acid-free boxes and um, even how you clean them um, and protect them from dust and things like that. And I remember I think the biggest epiphany that, that I had that weekend that I took that class was Nancy saying that she did not believe that Pioneer women who were quilters on, you know, back in the day uh, were making quilts purely for necessity. And it changed the way that I looked at quilt history. What is your opinion on on looking back at at our our ancestors who were quilters who were making quilts hundreds of years ago and whether or not they were making them out of necessity or because they loved quilting? or because they wanted something beautiful in their home? Uh, there's an easy answer. All of the above. <laughs> yeah, really, it, it, it really is fascinating because when you look at quilts and you think about, you know, they are functional in nature. So they were something that was very accepted, that a woman would be sitting, she'd be keeping her hands busy. Mm-hmm. You know, she was being a proper woman doing this work. But what we see are quilts that have never been washed, never been used, that was someone's masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. And they yes. made it as an expression of their love of beauty, whatever it was. And I always think, what did that woman say to her family? Like, my mother would not give me a quilt she made for me because my dog is on the bed. And she's like, no, you don't get it till that dog is on the bed. She finally gave in and gave it to me. But um, I think about those families and like, what did this maker say to her family when she finally finished that, put that last stitch in that quilt and was just probably so overwhelmed with it and just in love with that quilt. And somehow she conveyed that message to her family that this is really important. And, you know, with like a a Baltimore album quilt, you Mm -hmm. just look at it and you know it's important. Oh, yes. But there's a lot of really simpler quilts that were just so lovingly preserved. And so there was some kind of message that that person gave to her family and that was passed down through generations so that they really saved that quilt because it meant something so special to that maker. Um, So I think there's a lot, there's definitely that factor. But I also think that, you know, depending depending on when you were making quilts and where you're making quilts, your economic level, a lot of people made quilts because they needed them and they needed them for warmth. I think the biggest myth that we hear about that is people, oh, they were reusing things, recycling mm-hmm. things. Now that definitely takes place mm-hmm. to a certain degree. And, and we have a thing called the bias of survival. Mm. What survives your best pieces, but so we do see a lot of, of quilts that people actually, you see that they bought fabric to make that quilt because they had enough for the whole quilt. They're not mm-hmm. using scraps. They made sure that they they had what they wanted and were ready when they started that quilt. Now, is that because we have the best that survived? Are there a whole bunch of quilts that people made out of used fabrics that they used up? Possibly. But what we see is that... And I feel like as a quilter, after you try your first one and you kind of think, wow, this is a lot of work, mm-hmm. you're not going to go out and use you know, nasty old fabric, <laughs> right? buy the best you can right. or find the best you can or trade fabrics, you know, buy feed sacks, whatever you could do because you wanted to make the best quilt you could. So I think it's a real mix of all of those things. I got to agree. So... I am curious if you can tell us your best tip for helping your everyday quilter, all of our listeners, how they can best preserve the quilts that they have. 
You know, my best tip is that quilts are almost like a living, breathing thing because they're made out of, well, and, and this is the older quilts. I mean, today's quilts are made out of anything and everything. But the point is, is that you cannot put a quilt away for years at a time and just leave it and think it's going to be okay. You know, the care and feeding of your quilts. Hmm. Um, you need to take a look at them regularly. Um, the most damage that we see in quilts is simply from something that's been folded down the middle over and over again, and then stacked on a pile and left because that's where the fabric's going to break. When you mm-hmm. get a fold that becomes a particular crease, then it's going to break there. And so the damage happens just because it's been folded and left. So, on a regular basis, you need to get that quilt out, take a look at it, fold it differently. Um, we suggest boxes because if you're stacking a lot of quilts, one on top of each other, the ones on the bottom are just going to get flattened. And so it, textiles just take care. And if it's something that's really important to you, you really want to make sure you're keeping an eye on it. You know, gosh, um, you don't want, we've had a situation where just an air conditioner blowing really hard in a house close to stacked quilts started mildew mm-hmm. you know really? that's, that's yes. a concern and oh my so gosh. You, can you imagine if you had all your quilts stacked and oh. all of a sudden you realize you've got mold all over them it, you can't get rid of it and so you know we've, we've just seen so many heartbreaking stories of people who like um the other thing i would say is for traditional quilts get rid of those cedar chests because mm. people thought that was a great place to keep things and it does protect wool but right. cotton will actually pull the oil from the cedar into oh. itself. It's hydrophilic. There's mm-hmm. my one scientific word. <laughs> <laughs> but it will pull those oils in. So we had a woman come in with these two darling crib quilts made by her mother who is no longer living. They pulled them out of the cedar chest and they were just covered with these rusty spots. Oh, and she was just I've sobbing over her quilts. Oh. And there's just nothing you can do. So you've got to really keep an eye on them if they're really special. And I think you you have to kind of decide, is this a quilt I'm going to use and use up and be perfectly fine with that? Or is this a quilt that I'm preserving and I want my family to preserve and I want this to be a legacy piece because it takes two different kinds of care then. Right. So if someone's only choice for, you know, for keeping their quilt somewhere is something that is wooden, what is your is there a way that you can still keep them in something like that? Um, should they put them in maybe a pillowcase or protect them with some other piece of fabric underneath it? You know, most wood is, is interesting because a lot of times you've got an, if you're using an old piece, it's dried out. You're not going to have those oils still in it. But probably the best way to protect it is to line any of that wood with aluminum foil. Just put ah, foil. Okay. Keep it. So. But. If that's something that's that's really difficult to do, um, keeping a quilt in a sheet, we don't recommend pillowcases anymore because they tend to be a little bit too small. We see people come in with them and then they're stuffing their quilt back in the pillowcase. But just a clean polyester sheet, a polyester is just fine. Um, Making sure that nothing, no fabric of the quilt is touching the wood. But the danger with things like wood or even some of our paper boxes that we use they become acidic at some point, and then your quilt is, is wrapped in this little acid bath that's kind of attacking it. So wood is just not a good option mm-hmm. if, you can, if you can help it. We don't love plastic either, but if you're in an area where you're worried about flooding or you're worrying about mm-hmm. too much moisture, 
use your plastics. There are safe plastics. And we have some information on our website about mm. how to use the right plastics and how to care for your quilts. Um, but again, that's super dangerous because if you seal something in an environment, then all of those things like mold or moisture or something are going to be kind of just exaggerated by because you've got a, this microclimate. So you just have to keep an eye on them. Interesting. That has me thinking about all of those wooden quilt racks now. Oh, yeah. Because I have had those. I mean, luckily now I don't have one. I I actually gave it away when I um, moved. But but I always look at them and they're so cute. If they're sealed with polyurethane, we used to use wooden slats. And we would seal them with polyurethane, which is a pain to work with, but <laughs> it does, you can seal those oils in. Okay. So it's not that you can't use these, or you could even put a sheet over the frame, oh, that's that a quilt idea. frame or tissue, mm-hmm. but you just don't want the fabric up against it. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Any other questions, Lori or Ginger? No, I'm just kind of curious, uh, what would, you know, all these places you've ever gone to, we've talked about our dream destinations. Are there any that you haven't gone to yet that you would love to go to? Oh my gosh, there are so many places. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So many places. You know, um, we were just at the Festival of Quilts in the UK. That mm. was a blast. Um, I, people were so lovely. We brought some of our original Baltimore albums. So from the 1840s and a lot of people were, you know, doing reproduction Baltimore albums and they were just like, Oh my God, I literally like tearful. I never thought I'd see a real one. This is so cool. So I'm excited because we get to go back next year. We've been invited back to bring some Amish pieces and it was just so lovely to chat with people and have them so they just were so thrilled that we'd come all the way from Nebraska, which sounds like you know, we're out in the Netherlands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but they were really excited. So um, I'd like to go back to India. I got to spend a week mm-hmm. in India. A nice. lot of our textiles come from India. And that was the most amazing experience. Um, we saw quilts that were made in um, – we were at the European Patchwork Meeting, and there were quilts made in Siberia. Wool quilts that were just stunningly beautiful. I really like to go to Russia. Um, I'd like to go anywhere you can send me to. to (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just want to get to Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Carolyn, for joining us today. This was so informative and fascinating. Yes. I I think we're all just the wheels are spinning in our heads and I and I hope our listeners enjoyed listening to you and I hope that they all get to go to Nebraska at some point and come so. to the International Quilt Museum. Well, you know, we, we work really hard because we know a lot of people may not make it to Nebraska, but I will say our website is great because um, we put our entire collection online so you can see all of our quilts and we have great information on how to care for your quilts. And what we do at the museum is really very much what you need to do at home, too. So it all kind of works. And so um, I encourage people to go there and spend some time. It's really fun. That's great. And we'll put a link on the show notes page along with links to the the care and um, the collection. So thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you so much for inviting me. I can't believe we're already done with our 20 minutes. I know. <laughs> it's true. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. So after talking to Carolyn, I think we need to talk about quilt storage. And how do we store our quilts? Do we fold them? I do. And I had never thought about the refolding all the time. I have a shelf that they fit in, so I fold them so they fit that shelf. Mm. Uh, Time to re-examine that. 
one of the best places that I ever had that I really liked how I was folding, how I was storing my quilts was I was storing them on a bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just perfect. There were like 10 quilts stacked. It made the bed pretty high. It becomes Mm -hmm. like the princess in the pea. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I really loved that way because I didn't have to worry about fold marks, crease marks and Mm -hmm. so forth. Um, But sometimes that doesn't work. You know, now we've got pets and they mm-hmm. like to get on the bed and so that makes a, well, a that's whole different ball game. Comfy. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you got 10 of them there. Oh yeah. yeah. Just asking exactly. for trouble. <laughs> so um, not folded is better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think I think rolled is a good Can option good. if you've got the a space. place to put them. Yeah. No, that's the trouble with Once that. Once they're yeah. rolled, then, you know, you've got this thing sometimes 90 inches wide. Right. What are you going? Where are you going to put that? Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. So I, like I mentioned, um, got to go behind the scenes yes. at the museum. And there were a couple of things that were really interesting that I know this was probably 2007, maybe, was this trip. And they... Not only do they have everything in acid-free boxes with acid-free tissue paper and they um, kind of make sausages with the right. tissue paper so that when they fold it, uh, they put it in the where the crease would be okay. so that it's not a hard crease. And then they will take them out and refold them in a different way, whether it's you know changing the direction that they fold first, that kind of thing. And then – to clean the quilt because they said that the dust is the most dangerous thing for I'm quilts sure. uh, no. in addition to light, obviously. Um, they actually use like a screen and they put it – lay it over the quilt and then they have a very gentle vacuum that sucks the dust up and doesn't oh, wow. disturb nice. any of the the sewing, you know, the threads and right. any kind of um, applique you know, that right. might be on the quilt, that kind of stuff. So it really got me thinking about yeah. that. So I've always been pretty careful with my own personal quilts. And I've got several antique quilts that um, I've just acquired over the years. And I know for one, I had it hanging and it was um, like a courthouse steps pattern okay. that was from 1860. And I had it in a hallway that was relatively dark. So it never saw any actual direct light but I would make sure that every few months I rotated it Mm. so that the way it was hanging I was using clips to hang it um, on a rod and so it was like a cafe curtain kind of thing and so I could easily rotate it and so I made sure that that was always in it you know on a regular basis like every two months or so I would just change it up but I've been neglectful in some of the quilts I've done you know, I mean, we forget that we have them or mm-hmm. they're on a rack or, you know, they're in a box and not in view. And like she said, I've seen lots of quilts that have those permanent creases. Yeah. So these are all things that are really important. Now, I don't have the room to roll. Right. Um, but I do have the room to fold. And so I just try to be mindful. And every once in a while, I just refold them slightly different way. 
I don't even like to fold things coming out of the dryer when I do clothes. Like the thought of like <laughs> refolding quilts, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh no. Exactly. But I know it needs to be done. I feel like right. my house is just like a disaster zone for quilts because I hate to dust. I hate to like <laughs> I hate all the things you're supposed to do. I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. But luckily, I don't have a huge collection yet. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, I remember learning, um, I think it was Angela Huffman, was going through different types of batting and choosing your batting right off the bat really can help with those mm-hmm. situations. Yes, I didn't realize wool – there, you don't get the creases it with doesn't it. Crease. Yes, exactly. So I think keeping all that in mind for me, you know, moving forward, knowing like, hey, this is going to a quilt for my niece or nephew, you know, and it probably will get folded up into a thing. Maybe if I use the wool batting, you know, it won't get the creases as bad. And the all that. flip side of that is then you have to worry about moths. Yeah, you know, I can't win. No, mm-hmm. no, you can't. It's true. So we yeah. just need to all be mindful. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of professional quilters who actually use two bats, so they will use a cotton, mm-hmm. but then they'll use a polyester or or a wool mm-hmm. or something like that that helps to accentuate the quilting, but it also makes sure that it doesn't crease. Mm-hmm. So these are all things. Can you think of anything else, Lori, that you know might be important? I can. When my mother-in-law died, I got an unfinished quilt top, which I thought you know was a perfect thing for my father-in-law. So I finished the quilt, gave it to my father-in-law, and he lives in – Eastern Nebraska at the time, and high, high, high humidity. The next time I went to see him, he was all proud because he'd put it in plastic and put it in the closet. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) When we were cleaning up the house after he passed, um, got the quilt out, and and because of the humidity, it had little spots of mildew on it. Oh, Um, no. He was trying to protect it. But but you need to be mindful of the environment when you're putting it right. away. Yeah. If it were in Colorado with our practically zero humidity, that probably would have been fine. Right. right. Yeah. I, I'll you know, and Carolyn mentioned that about that you're creating an ecosystem if you put it in plastic. Right. So I wonder if you can use some of those, um, you know, the things that they put in packaging um, that has it has it's that. I forgot what it's like called. Like the little salt those pack little, things. Those they little say packets. do not eat. Yeah, right. Do not eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder if there's a safe way to use those. Mm. Maybe I follow up and ask Carolyn if there's yeah, any yeah, way exactly. if you're in a, you know, because if you're in a high humidity environment, sometimes the problem also is water damage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, ugh, so many, I, I don't know, did we have solutions or do we just have more Uh, questions (laughs) and it's always interesting to hear like the storage you know where people are putting them and how because space is a huge thing yes you know if you do have a ton of them it's like how do you handle that on top of all your supplies and everything else that you need in order to continue quilting right um i'll just remember one funny story uh lee mccomas is an art quilter um that's local here to us and i just remember she would store them in a bathroom downstairs in a in a, in a shower and she had somebody come to visit and they didn't realize <gasps> and they turned it on no. and her quilts got all wet i'm like my heart was just like pounding like oh. what and she's so funny she's like since then because she still loves putting them in that space <laughs> she's turned off the shower like completely like banned it off nobody's right. allowed to use it but luckily i think it was there wasn't as much damage as there could have been but i was like oh my god oh my gosh yeah, so yeah it's See, funny to hear those stories worst yeah. nightmare i oh, would yeah. be worried that a pipe would burst or something yeah. like that in the oh. bathroom. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she does thread painting and it's like the hours that she puts oh, into those. Gosh. I'm like, oh my goodness, I would like forbid anyone to even look at the bathroom. I'd be like, no. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, so an important thing is to decide, is this a quilt that we're using or is this a, our masterpiece? Mm-hmm. And then based on that, decide how we're going to store it. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't even gotten to light. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Because if there's direct light on the fabric, whatever fabric it is, it's going to fade. Yes. And sometimes amazingly fast. Oh, depending yeah. Depending on how much light. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. No. Okay. I, I well. think I'd be almost afraid to go to the museum because I'm going to realize like all the things I'm not doing right. right. <laughs> it's going to no, be like shameful. No, no, I'm going to no. walk out and be no, like, no, I'm doing it all that wrong. That would not happen. That's right. That's why they, they, they make so you go excited. through the exhibits too. So you can get all excited. You get again. all excited because there's so many pretty things to look at. Well, and, and I think, Ginger, you're like me and a the quilts that I make are not museum quality quilts. Yeah. My quilts are made to be used yeah. to be put on the True. floor with the yes. kids and the mm-hmm. grape jelly and the dog <laughs> hair. And, you know, uh, yep. so so it's okay if I don't store those quilts mm-hmm. in the acid-free paper and exactly. all that sort of stuff right. because they're quilts to be used. Yeah. Right. I think that's a really good point. And if you're going to store them for any period of time, just wrap them in a sheet, like she said. Yeah, yep. <laughs> exactly. Bare minimum, at least do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. This well, was fun, guys. Oh, yeah. So lovely. So and many we good were tips. so excited for this um, this podcast. So um, I'm really glad that it's gone as well as I, as you know, that we were all enjoying it. So, yes. Thank you both. Thanks. Good to be here with y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Then next time we come to you, we'll be coming from the new studio. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today on our show notes page, quiltingcompany.com slash quiltpodcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for listening. Happy quilting. The Quilting Company Podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcast is Jared Mayer.